I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Welcome in to football and other F words. Michael Gillum, Mr. Lebowski. He is uh, he's volunteering for something at his at his job. I, I don't know if it's like a food drive, blood drive or something. And I could be completely wrong on both accounts because he doesn't really seem like the charitable type. But today <laughs> is another Michael. I've replaced one Michael with another Michael. And it is Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles on Twitter joining Football of the Efforts today. And we have a lot to get to. Um, Michael, how are you doing? Mike? I, it's weird to call you Michael, by the way. I don't, I don't ever do it. So I'm not going to do it. Mike, how are you doing? I respond to both. Um, and I am good. I'm just here to be uh, one uh, to fill the quota of Mike's on this podcast um and i uh i fit that bill my name is michael or mike uh whichever you want to call me so uh i am here and i am mike just real i just realized that my laptop was not plugged in apparently i kicked the cord loose so i gotta get this all right the franchise tag deadline has come and gone and to the surprise of I would say the majority of the Titans Twitter and Titans fan base. Harold Landry is not tagged. Mike, tell the people why they should not freak out about Harold Landry not being tagged. I mean, the the Titans were never going to let him play this season on the franchise tag. That that was never an option. It was never a possibility. They could not have handled that kind of cap hit for this year. The only way he's going to be back is on a long-term deal. So the only I guess the only benefit you get from using the franchise tag is, is trying to extend your negotiating window. But I think the way John Robinson looks at it, and I think he said as much before, is that sometimes when you're not coming together on numbers with a player, it, the best thing you can do is let them go out there and, hey, if you think that deal is out there, then go get it and bring it back to us and, and we'll talk then. But, you know, we think this is what, you know, your, your market value is right now. And, you know, you, you either need to prove us wrong or take the deal right that we have on the table. So I think this is a way that John Robin negotiate John Robinson negotiates. I think he does use this um, at times, uh, you know, as a way to get a guy back. I mean, we've seen guys not get tagged and then be resigned. Right. I mean, so it's not, it's not a guarantee that because they didn't tag Landry that he's walking by any means. Yeah, I, I think by all reports, you know, that kind of, you know, basically is what everybody's saying is that this buys them time to work out a deal because here's the thing. And I started thinking about this yesterday and I actually woke up this morning with this thought in my head as well. And I talked about it with Justin Mello a little bit in the fact that just because the Titans don't tag him doesn't mean that he's for sure a walkie. You can't take the risk of carrying an $18.2 million cap hit at the start of free agency because all teams by next Tuesday or Wednesday, um, I think next Wednesday, have to be under the salary cap. Okay, so legal tampering starts Monday, so you obviously want to get a deal done Monday before people start you know, legally tampering with uh, Harold Landry. But Wednesday, you have to be under the salary cap. They're already over it. 
so if you tag him, then now you have another 18.2 you have to account for on your books. So they were never going to carry it into basically free agency. So I was like, okay, well, if they don't tag him, which now seems very likely, and I literally just recorded a podcast yesterday for 440 Sports that went out this morning that says it's highly likely that they're going to tag him, but it just didn't hit me at the time, right? It's like, oh, they could just negotiate later. It just kind of was one of those things that I missed that they can still get the deal done, still have him here, so there's no need to panic. If they don't get the deal done, what are they truly losing out of Harold Landry besides a guy that is, has proven to be durable despite his college career? So I think the biggest thing they're losing is versatility. And but let, me, let, me, let me say something about this versatility thing. Can a guy with one pass rush move be considered versatile? When he's well, not good in coverage and he's not that great yeah. in run defense. Okay, so he, I, you say he's not good in coverage. He's not good in coverage as, you know, he's not a, as good in coverage as like a safety or or even a, a true inside linebacker. But he is really good in coverage for an outside linebacker, for a guy with his body type, for a guy that can do what he does. And they also play him off the ball as like a stack linebacker where he plays pretty well too so that gives them versatility to line up and either like a basically like a five two or a four three in the same personnel or even shift from one to another which gives offenses trouble as far as blocking assignments things like that so he gives them a lot of versatility because they can line them up in so many different places and now i know that drives a lot of people crazy when they line him up off the ball or when they use him and to drop back into coverage, cause they see him as like a true pass rusher, but honestly, like, and I saw him that way at first as well, but as the years have gone by, I feel like I've gotten to know Harold Landry as a player better. And I think our first inclination that he's this like God level pass rusher who just needs to be cut loose on the edge at all times was incorrect. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he can be a one a edge rusher. And I think that's going to be the problem that he runs into in his market uh, is that he's not miles Garrett. He's not a Bosa. He's not one of these guys that you plug him in. And regardless of what else is going on on that defensive line, he's going to put up numbers because he's awesome. He's unblockable. That is not who Harold Landry is. He's a good pass rusher. He's got a really good, uh, you know, ghost move or, or dip move, whatever you want to call it, around the edge, that speed rush that he uses. And he is good on stunts, which is uniquely valuable to the Titans defense. But, you know, he's just not going to line up at your, you know, left, left outside linebacker position or right outside linebacker position, where you line, whatever you line him up. He's not going to line up and just beat that tackle day in and day out, play in and play out. That's not who he is as a player. So it's a weird evaluation standpoint because, like, uh, you know, the guys had, uh, what, uh, 26 sacks, something like that over the last uh, three years now. He's uh, 31 uh, sacks. 31 sacks. Okay. Not so including playoffs. Okay. So yeah, 31 sacks. Um, you know, he's put up good numbers. Yeah, you know, obviously coming off a 12 sack season, he's still only 25. He plays all the time. He's got a lot of value, but he just isn't like this pure pass rusher that I think some people like to make him out to be. Basically, he can line up, is what you're saying. So that makes him valuable. But if he can't do, if he's not 
particularly elite at anything, it's like you're paying for a, a jack of all trades that is pretty average at everything. Like, and he wants to be the highest paid guy in the meeting room. And and to be honest, when you really dive into the advanced numbers and stuff, Bud Dupree deserves to be the highest paid player in that meeting room because he's the force multiplier and he's the only reason that Harold Landry's really good, as you saw with Cameron Wake a couple of years ago. He needs the other guy to be someone that, you know, needs him to be someone. He can't just be Kamale Correa over there. It has to be someone else. So you're right. He's not Miles Garrett, but, and he doesn't really necessarily want to be paid like Miles Garrett, but he wants to be pretty up there in like the top, you know, 10 to five range is what it sounds like. What does a deal look like to you? Like, what is a deal that you're comfortable with? I mean, are you comfortable with the expectation of being paid more than Harold Landry, whether that's in signing bonus or fully guaranteed money? Are you okay with that? Because that that's seems like a lot for him. Well, you know, it's funny because in a lot of ways, and, and there are differences, um, and I'll get to those in a second, but in a lot of, in a lot of ways, Landry is kind of similar to Dupree in that, He's coming off a season where he had a really nice sack total. Uh, obviously, Debris had like 19 sacks in the two seasons, uh, or I may, my number may be off there, but he had a lot of sacks the two seasons prior to signing in Tennessee. Um, both were double-digit sack seasons. So 19.5. Yeah, 19.5. There you go. So uh, Dupree had similar numbers to Landry as far as raw numbers. He also was a advanced metrics um i don't know what's the opposite of darling he was an advanced metrics dog yeah i was about to uh, say dog um in that the advanced metrics hate him um they don't like his pressure rate they don't like those kind of things so i think there's a some similarities there for sure now the difference is we've seen and and i guess maybe this isn't really fair either because dupree We've seen some on-off splits with Dupree that are startling, and you captured these on an article on broadwaysportsmedia.com last week, um, but it's stunning when you look at the numbers with and without Bud Dupree on the field, how much better the Titans pass rush was with him on the field, even though Bud Dupree was not the main guy getting the numbers, right? right. And I think when you look at the tape, it's obvious why that is. Bud Dupree crushes pockets. He may not always beat his man, but his man is always near the quarterback. So like he's walking that tackle back near the quarterback. And as uh, coach Mack would say, he's compressing the cylinder and that makes it tougher for a quarterback to escape. That makes it the quarterback feel more pressure. So there's a lot of things that Bud Dupree does that don't always get picked up in stats that I think make the pass rush better for the Titans. And I think that bears out if you look at those on off splits. I don't think Landry has the same impact because he does not compress the cylinder. He does not push the pocket. He is a black or white win or lose player. So he's either going to beat his man with his pass rush move and be home free on the quarterback and put up a sack, or he's getting stoned and going nowhere. Now he puts up great effort. Like I'm not saying he just dies on blocks. He does put up effort. He does pursue all that stuff. But he is usually not great when he has to get into his secondary moves. He just he doesn't have the play strength to be able to fight off the the blocks and the punches of these tackles on secondary moves. So I think Dupree is probably 
I mean, it's hard to say this coming off of the year that we just saw and the stats that we just saw of these two guys, but I think Dupree is the better player of these two. And it'll be really interesting to see if anyone's willing to pay Landry more than Dupree, which is obviously kind of the bar that he set publicly saying that he wants to be the highest paid player in the position room. So I don't know. I, I would have some issue with them paying Landry more than what they paid Dupree from both a talent uh, standpoint and an allocation of resources standpoint, because that is an awful lot of money to have invested into that group, even though it is a super position, super important position group. So I don't know. That's kind of where I come on, come down on it. What, what is, what is your opinion there? Yeah. Like in the, in the, if you, in a vacuum, getting paid more than Bud Dupree, knowing that the salary cap's going up and blah, blah, blah. But in a vacuum, it doesn't look that bad when you look at the numbers, like the way I kind of played with them and stuff. But it's just the more I dive into it, the more I feel like he he is replaceable in most facets of the game that you want your edge player to, to play. I also think that he's easily replaceable in this combine and or in this combine in this draft, based on what we saw at the combine with the explosiveness from certain players that were being um, pretty much mocked to the Titans anyway. So I don't know if I'm fully on board. I don't think he's a, as the season off season progressed, I went from, you got to pay the man. You got to bring Landry back to, I think you can let him walk and be okay and not suffer a great deal of a setback because you could just plug in maybe an Elijah Molden, or you could put out David long and where you'd normally put in Harold Landry and still be fine. Like just on a person at basis, when you really look at it, Chandler Jones missed 17 games since Harold Landry has been in the league while Chandler Jones has been in Arizona and he has more sacks and, and 10 less pressures. I mean, when you and that's 17 games missing. Like, to me, that's almost to the point where it's just, I don't think you need Harold Landry as much as what fans want you to believe that you need Harold Landry for this defense to be successful going forward. Because you have Danico Autry, you have Rashad Weaver, who can both play outside and on the defensive line, so there's your versatility. Weaver needs to get his stuff cleared up, obviously, off the field, but you add in a veteran and then possibly a rookie, I think you can match the production through, you may not have one player get 12.5 sacks, but you may have a player get a four that normally doesn't have four and one get eight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you just replace production for a way cheaper price. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And they, and they lined up Autry at the edge most of last season anyways. Um, even when they had Landry and Dupree. So it, it was a lot of times it was Autry uh, and they would find a way to play. It was almost like they were making, making it work with what they had because they would use Autry and Dupree as the defensive ends, quote unquote, on like a four man front. And then they played Landry off the ball sometimes to, to find a place to put him. And so it was almost kind of an odd fit, but they mostly wanted early downs Landry or Autry and Dupree uh, out at the edges. And occasionally they'd swap uh, Dupree for Landry and go with more of a traditional like three, four look. Um, but either way, Autry, they view mostly as an edge defender. So I, I think Autry and Dupree give you quality starters. You, you need, you know, Simmons. And then, you know, obviously you need like a tier tard or uh 
um, Laurel Murchison or Naquan Jones, one of those guys to continue to take steps forward and, and give them more of that interior presence that, that you're kind of losing by, well, I say you're losing, but you're not really losing it because that's where Autry played last year anyways. We just always, I guess from the get-go, we always viewed Autry as an interior player, even though that's not necessarily how he was deployed. So I think that kind of changes the way that you might look at a Titans defensive depth chart without Harold Landry. If you just say Autry and, and Dupree are your starting edge defenders, you know, that that's not really a weakness, especially with Weaver who flashed big time uh, in preseason last year, which it's just preseason, but I'm, I'm a big Weaver fan. So but he was the um, most technically sound prospect in the, out of the entire edge edge rush class. And he trains with Bud Dupree, which is even better. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, doctor, is it Dr. Chuck Smith? Is that the guy, Dr. Yeah. Uh, pass rush or whatever Dr. he's called? Pass rush. Um, they, they all kind of train together. So to me, it's just like, he has his big knock was his athleticism, but he has all the tools. You put him on the defensive line, you know, you got a guy out there that can get to the pass rusher with a, in a myriad of ways. Whereas Landry is just a one trick pony at that point. Some other, I view it as some other team is going to pay Landry more money. And then you're never going to really hear from Landry ever again. Like, I just feel like he's going to end up being like a five sack guy, six sack guy, the rest of his career. If he doesn't go to a situation where there's an opposite, if he's going there to be the guy, you, you're, you're going to look like geniuses for letting him walk much like they look like geniuses for letting uh, Johnny Smith go for that crazy amount of money he got paid. And it, there's a long line of Titans players that, Fans got totally up in arms over that they let go and didn't sign to big contracts, and they all washed out. I think the only one that I can remember in recent memory is Jack Conklin, and I think the chances of Landry being one of the many other players that have left a free agency and amounted to nothing are way greater than him ended up being an all-pro in his first year as a free agent. He wasn't yeah. an all pro this year. There's no way he's going to be an all pro somewhere else where he's asked to be the guy. I, I would agree with that. And, and I think, you know, what you said about Landry being the, the guy, if you're going to pay him north of, of 16 and a half million dollars a year, which is what Dupree got, you know, kind of, we'll just use that as a benchmark. Yeah. Um, then he's probably got to be your top edge rusher. Um, now I think they showed that, the Titans showed that you can make it work if you've got two awesome interior rushers or um, an awesome interior rusher and another good edge rusher um, with him. I think you can probably make him be still somewhat productive, but I don't know that he's worth more than, I mean, if you look at the other guys that are getting paid in that range, you're talking about, you know, Cameron Jordan, Von Miller, Frank Clark, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Shaq Barrett, um, Zadarius Smith, Chandler Jones. I mean, those guys have all had monster seasons as the guy. Um, and, and I don't multiple think monster seasons, really, when you really think right, about it. Right. And I don't think Landry is ever going to be the guy on a pass rush. I just don't. Yeah, that's that's where I settle for. Like, I'm very neutral, but I don't really want to be hampered by I don't want our off season to be hampered free agency to be hampered by one co guy's contract. That probably isn't really worth it. I know it's the cap and I know things can change and all that kind of stuff. And like in the big realm of things, it probably doesn't matter. It's just, it feels, 
it just doesn't feel like a smart move, in my opinion. Speaking of that, obviously the Packers have tagged Devontae Adams. They've re-signed Aaron Rodgers. I want to tie this into Harold Landry just a little bit before we get into the quarterbacks. But Zadarius Smith is more than likely going to be a cap casualty because they can free up. They're, they're about like $40 million over the cap currently, even though the Aaron Rodgers number will take that down some. Would you rather have Zadarius Smith for, we'll just use AAV, and I hate using AAV, but it's just, I guess, a better way to actually verbalize what we're talking about. Would you rather have Harold Landry at 17.1 mil or Zadarius Smith at like 13 mil per year? I'd probably rather have Smith. I, I think yeah. you can, I mean, Landry's younger, um, which is going to play in his favor. He's been more durable. But I do think Smith is, at his peak, a better player. And if you're getting him at a little bit of a discount, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd rather have Smith at that point. Well, let's talk about these quarterbacks and that got traded today and all this stuff. Uh, let's talk Aaron Rodgers first. Rumors came out last, uh, was it Friday or something? I think it was that the Titans were one of many teams to be have an offer on the table. PFT was, of course, proven completely wrong because both the Steelers, over that period of time, the Steelers, which was another team, and the Titans were both pretty much debunked as being ever really having an offer on the table. They probably got to the point of, hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit available. Let's kick around. Let's talk to, you know, that, this or that. But they never got really serious about it. And there were so many moving parts, particularly for the Tennessee Titans. It just didn't make sense. It was obviously all a ploy to try to be the highest paid quarterback again. He is supposedly, if you believe Ian, but Aaron says that he hasn't signed that contract yet. It's like a four-year, $200 million deal. I'm sure it is probably less than $200 million, but I think it's still going to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, which is what he wants to be. What are... I, I know that we all have all said that Aaron Rodgers is not coming here. Did you ever waver in that stance, Mike, since you, we've talked about that last? I, you know, I thought there was a possibility at least that they would entertain that because I, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like if, and it would have been a lot of moving parts. It would have been a very tight rope to walk both financially and with the order of operations that they would have had to do it in. Um, and with the assets and everything like that, but trading Tannehill for some, you know, picks or whatever to a third party team, because the Packers yeah. were never going to take Tannehill back in a deal. Um, but trading Tannehill to a third party team for some picks, bring up some of that cap space, getting Rogers and then signing him to a new deal to lower his cap number. You could have made the numbers work. Like I said, it would have been a very tight rope to walk. It would have been a lot of moving parts to juggle at the same time. And you ultimately would have had to put a huge offer on the table because obviously um, we saw what Russell Wilson went to went for. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, Rodgers would have gone for a lot. Um, so, you know, you may have been talking three first-round picks or something in that neighborhood. Um, and, you know, look – I, I think the Titans probably would have been silly to not at least have a discussion about it um, and say, you know, if you can get the guy that's been the back-to-back the -back MVP of the league, um, 
reasonably to come in here with a team that we feel like is ready to win a Super Bowl. And, and you know, it's – I think everyone's piled on Tannehill too much this offseason, and myself included, right after the game. I, I You know, I was uh, still pretty raw about that performance and watching it and everything. But I think it is fair to say that he is the reason that they were knocked out of the playoffs, or the primary reason anyways. Um, in that one game and, and it's just a one-off game and and you know sure um, he's had other bad playoff performances and and I, we're definitely in believe it when you can see it mode with Tannehill in the playoffs so I do think from that standpoint you've got to look at Rodgers if if that is an option but I'm sure they probably discussed it and said it's just extremely risky extremely difficult to pull off and that would have required Rodgers actually want to leave. And I, I don't think if you listen to Rodgers' speech at the NFL honors awards and everything like that, and all the public comments he's made about the Packers, yes, he flirted a little bit, I think with the Broncos and with retirement or whatever, just to, uh, like as a negotiating ploy. I think he always was going back to the Packers and, and that this makes it really easy to say in hindsight, but all of those breadcrumbs were leading to, this guy seems pretty happy with the Packers after this year. So I think, uh, you know, the Titans may have to dis- discuss it. They may have even reached out to the Packers, who knows, it, it, just to see what the price was. But I don't think it really got very far that it was ever in serious contention um, for him. To yeah, be the quarterback th- that's here. where I'm at. Like, I'm sure they talked about it, but they were never in serious contention for it. And, you know, at the beginning of the offseason, I thought, okay, well, it's either he's not going to go back to Green Bay, and then he kind of started changing his tune a little bit. And then, like you said, at the NFL honors and everything, I was like, okay, well, this guy, we all know what he's doing. He is fully in the mode to get the most out of the money for himself, but also Devontae Adams to make sure that he can run it back with Green Bay because it's the best chance for him to win the Super Bowls in Green Bay. And I look at it, and then I'll look at this, the, the tweets about people are just frothing at the mouth thinking that this is going to come true, especially after the PFT thing. And, oh, and the, the house in Nashville. And the oh, house that's... in Nashville. Oh, my gosh. I mean, people, if you ever needed a case of people only hear what they want to hear, this was the perfect experiment for that because people hear that uh, he's bought land. And, you know, we debunk it, me and Lebowski did uh, on the podcast, and I reshared it on Twitter on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday. Basically, that it's just parking lot gossip and it doesn't mean anything. Lebowski in that same episode talked about, do you even know how long it takes to build a fucking house in Nashville? Like, it takes forever. And, you know, people, you know, dismiss the fact that he's lived in L.A. the past two or three years while playing in Green Bay. Like, it's just, it was, it was stupid. And people wanted to hear... Oh, well, he's coming to Tennessee because he's bought a house. And then this PFT report comes out and people forget that this is the same place that said that the Titans were going to get face suspensions and lose draft picks 100% guaranteed that they were going to do all that stuff because of the COVID violations they suffered in 2020. But then people want to bring up, well, they got the Julio Jones thing correct. Well, so what? So did a bunch of people. So a bunch of people got the Julio Jones thing correct. The the track record of PFT is not good. Their sources are not good, but people only want to hear what they want to hear, and they want to believe what they want to believe. They don't want to listen to 
the business side of things. And I feel for them because now they're just filled with this utter disappointment because as soon as Aaron Rodgers signed, now everybody's like, okay, well, maybe they'll make a play for Russell Wilson. Like, dude, this franchise does not lie to you. They told you all at the combine that they are behind Ryan Tannehill 100%. And they they believe in Ryan Tannehill. He's won us some games. He'll win us some more. I mean, they went into everything in detail. And people are like, but they've said the same thing about Mike Malarkey, and they said the same thing about Marcus. And, well, they gave Mike Malarkey the opportunity to be the Tennessee Titans head coach. And you know what happened? He decided that he wasn't going to fire Terry Robisky. So that was the caveat. So he is the reason that he is not head coach of the Tennessee Titans, not John Robinson going back on his words. Marcus had every chance to stay the guy and be the guy in Tennessee. And he sucked and fell flat on his face. That is Marcus's fault, not John Robinson. John Robinson did not lie. They gave him eight or nine games to be the guy. They told you that Ryan Tannehill is the guy. Does that mean that they're not going to draft a quarterback? No, I think they will draft a quarterback in this draft class, more than likely. But that doesn't mean that they're liars. They believe in Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill is good enough to win him a Super Bowl. They have to be better around him, but he also has to be better in the games is what they said, which is an accurate assessment of Ryan Tannehill. And then everybody jumps on Russell Wilson. Oh, well, now maybe they'll trade for Russell Wilson. Mike, Seattle gets Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick for Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick to Denver. That is a ridiculously high trade, right? Like, don't you think that Seattle just utterly won that deal, even though their, their front office will completely destroy all these draft picks? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's tough because ha- the Broncos have been in QB purgatory for so long, and I feel like part of this is the franchise is for sale right now. The current owners want to maximize what they can get for the franchise, and a franchise with Russell Wilson at quarterback is way more valuable than a franchise with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. Or, you know, insert rookie draft pick in this class to be named later at quarterback. So I think that's part of the motivation here, but look, you, you look at, and people always say all that matters is having a good quarterback. All that matters is having a good quarterback. That's just not true. If it, if all that matters was having a good quarterback, Russell Wilson would have won a lot more football games last year. Like the, the Seahawks were bad last year and they had Russell Wilson. They had good receivers. Um, You know, they, it's just not as simple as go get the elite quarterback and all you win all the Super Bowls. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl uh, in what, 15 years, 16 years. People look at Brady and Stafford, you know, and think that, oh, well, this automatically means that this X amount is going to happen. The Stafford turned it on in the playoffs when it mattered, but there was a lot of talk about Stafford trade being a bust and that they weren't going to win the Super Bowl or whatever. And they, they kind of all lucked out to get to that point. Yeah. And, and you know, you lo- look back at the Brady, and we've talked about this before yeah. on the pod, the Brady Super Bowl when he throws all the interceptions. And then really the, that team was done. They were toast buried 
until uh what was it the um uh safety i'm blanking on his name now um winfield i think it is for the bikes punched the ball out of jared cook's hands on that slant over the middle they were down multiple scores and the saints were driving into their territory late in the game that was there that that ball doesn't get punched out and recovered and uh, you know maybe you're not looking at another brady super bowl there so I don't know. I, I, I definitely think people are overreacting to the last two Super Bowls and trying to say, well, look, all you have to do is go trade for an elite quarterback and boom, Super Bowl win. Like, I mean, that's I don't think that's as, as cut and dry. Um, and that that is a lot to give up. I mean, no offense, yeah. a good player. Um, Shelby Harris is a really good player. Um, two first round picks, you know, two second round picks. That's a lot of draft capital. So what the Broncos have some good receivers. Um, they're they've got a good running back. Their offensive line is okay. Um, but is their defense going to be good without Fangio and without any assets to be able to f- rebuild uh, around what they've got? Um, I, because I know they have a J- Josie Jewell is a, a free agent. They have a couple of players that on the defensive side that are actually free agents. Yeah. So I, I you know, I. I'm not totally convinced the Broncos are going to be great uh, with Russell Wilson. We'll see. Um, But it's not like they have some supporting cast that's just way above and beyond better than what they had in Seattle last year. It's just not. Yeah, I I look at it and I think about what would the Tennessee Titans have had to offer to beat this trade, which would be obviously Ryan Tannehill. You would probably throw in um, Danico Autry, I would assume, to match the Shelby Harris. You wouldn't throw in Casey, obviously, but let's say Danico Autry. And to make up for Noah Fant, I would think that you would throw in either Lawan or Julio Jones, one of those guys that are kind of, you know, applicable to what the, they need versus, you know, the level of talent you're getting back. And, okay? and I'd argue Fant is more valuable as a trade yeah. asset than either of those guys, right. to be honest. And then, so you look at, so you're, you got rid of those three guys and then you trade away, you're going to have to trade away three first round picks because you don't have a second round pick, right? So you're right. thinking you're going to have to trade away three first round picks, one second round pick and one fifth round pick. Uh, Denver, and then you get Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick back. So not only do you have to wait till the third round to draft a guy <laughs> in this year's draft, you don't have a starting left tackle or wide receiver too. You have a pretty sizable contract. You don't have a, a very good defender because then you're not going to be able to probably afford Harold Landry either, more than likely, um, on top of losing Nico Autry. For a guy that is, I'm, I know people call me crazy, I don't think that Russell Wilson does much more for the team than Ryan Tannehill does. And he had much better receivers over in uh Seattle and he always fades as the season goes on I I just I think that if you're the Titans and you look at this because Chad Withrow called this the Titans are the biggest loser because they didn't land uh of the day football day because they didn't land Aaron Rodgers and they didn't land Russell Wilson you can argue the validity of the 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 Green Bay Packers one but the Russell Wilson thing has nothing to do with the Tennessee Titans that would have been a horrendous trade that we just laid out for you to make for the Titans to make because they're you're you're if you don't get a Super Bowl for Russell from Russell Wilson this year, that was the worst trade you're ever seeing. There's a good chance that Denver Broncos in a division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr 
in a, an increasingly competitive AFC West, they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> like that, that is just so much to give up for a guy that hasn't been to the Super Bowl in a long time. Yeah, it, it's certainly in play. And I, I do think Russell Wilson is a good quarterback. I don't think he's an elite, elite quarterback, though. I think he's good. Um, but gosh, I mean, he's he's had a lot to work with uh, the last few years in Seattle and has not been able to make it work. So I, I think there he's not flawless and no quarterback is. And that, you know, you look at Brady's final year in New England and how he how bad he tapered off when he just didn't have the pieces around him and it, the, the environment absolutely matters to these guys so it's um it's interesting like if you told me the titans had to give up three first round picks for russell wilson just just three first round picks not even saying the rest of the players and, and stuff like that I, that's a lot that's a that's that's the point where you say all right well you better win Super Bowls because you're going to create a hole in your roster, you know, in the next few years because of not having any draft capital. And and people save all your jokes about the Titans and their first round pick production in the last few years. Look, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, it, it was a first round pick. Uh, we'll see what Caleb Farley ends up doing. But, you know, if you turned around and said, you know, let's say Caleb Farley turns out to be good giving up Caleb Farley, Jeffrey Simmons, even if you assume every one out of every three years is going to be a, uh, you know, Isaiah Wilson's level bust, which that's not going to happen. If you look at what Robinson's uh, first round picks, almost all of them have been at least starter quality players. Um, and that's obviously now, the been, only problem has been Isaiah Wilson. I mean, people right. want to say that he's some bad drafter, you want to go look at a bad drafter? Look in the own division at some of these guys. I, I I don't. I hate when people say, "Well, what are you gonna do with those first round picks? Trade, you know, draft Isaiah Wilson and Caleb Farley or Kevin Dodd or blah blah." I'm thinking, well, no, those players have already been drafted. <laughs> like you can't draft those players again. It's a new, it's a new set of players that can help this team, and this is as deep as a, a class as you got. And you, this team has. Right now, as it sits, a lot of holes that need to be filled via somehow, and they're going to have to probably create more empty spots on the roster to to make moves. Like it's it's going to be a tough offseason financially for this team to make moves, and you want to give up draft capital for a guy that's not going to elevate the people around you. Like, do do you think that Russell Wilson can? Take the Bengals game out because almost any quarterback you can insert into that Bengals game will probably win that game. But do you think Russell Wilson throughout the regular season that this team would have won in a number one seed? If everything else was the same, like if all the injuries still happened, the same wide receivers that Ryan Tannehill had to use, do you think this team would have won, would have got the one seed? It's it's so hard to say. I, I would lean towards probably yeah. I, I think yeah, they see, still I, I just get don't it. think he does. I I think Wilson is a better quarterback than Tannehill. I, I wow, do I'm I'm I, actually surprised by that. For coming from you, I don't think it's a huge gap. Um, but I think he's better, and I think you know he's certainly been less turnover prone uh, over the course of his career. Um, and his efficiency numbers have always been really good. So 
I think I don't think the gap is massive, but I do think he's a better quarterback. So yeah, I think they still win the division. Um, but you know, are you are you saying you know that Russell Wilson they get Russell Wilson they win the Super Bowl last year? I I don't know. I I think that's a stretch to say. Um, stretch to sure. say because while they may beat the Bengals, are they really going to beat the Chiefs? The Chiefs were one of the yeah. hottest teams at the time you ran into them. You know, and, it, and Tannehill's three and one against the Chiefs. You know, yeah. so I, I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough deal to try to compare two guys in two different scenarios. But I don't know. I, I think the the upgrade that you make going from Tannehill to Russell Wilson is pretty marginal for what you would had to give up. Um, and maybe that margin is the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not. I don't know, but that is a very slim margin to me between those two guys. All right. So let's get done talking about these quarterback scenarios that were never going to happen. <laughs> and let's talk about, I want to talk about Julio Jones because I think, and I know this is going to sound crazy, I got the feeling I took the words of John Robinson a little bit differently than what most people did. I think most people saw the thing about, well, we got to look at his injury history and blah, blah, and his medicals or whatever and evaluate. I think they're going to redo his contract. Totally. I don't think they're going to cut him. What? Because I look at it and what do they gain by cutting him? They, if they cut him now, they gain $1 million and if they designated a June 1st and still cut them now, they don't get any cap. That 9 million cap relief is only good for June. And what good is that? Because by the time June rolls around, you really already got, I mean, it's good for maybe the roster building in season and maybe rollover, but are you really worried? This is why a lot of teams don't worry about that June 1st, because it's just, it's just kind of like, empty money and you're carrying that all through the most important time, which is signing draft picks and free agency. So, well, well, you think they're going to cut him, right? I I think there's a chance that they cut him. And I do think if they do it, it'll be as a post June one designation so that they can get the cap savings. Um, But here's why I think it does matter from a cap standpoint, the, the post June one money, because they aren't going to sign their draft class until after June 1st. Um, usually they wait until right up until training camp to start signing those guys. So they can basically, instead of leaving a, you know, let's say eight to $10 million cushion for signing the draft class, signing uh, UDFAs and whatever in season maneuvering cushion they need to leave. Um, let's say it's $10 million, just round numbers. So instead of saying, we need to leave that $10 million on the table, um, you know, bef- during free agency, they can now say, all right, we're going to spend right up to the cap because we know we're going to get this 9 million or 10 million, whatever the savings are from Julio Jones's deal after June 1st. And that's how we're going to pay for our, um, you know, rookie class and in season stuff. So I think that it does matter because it affects how they can spend now, it's not going to create additional cap room for them right now, but it affects how close they're willing to get to the cap, I would think, until June 1st, at least. But is that a smart strategy, I guess? Uh, that, that's where I kind of have an issue with it, because while I do agree with everything you're saying as far as what they could potentially do, 
is that the smart strategy to let that nine million hang around, preventing you? Like, what's the replacement plan? Like, yeah, and and yeah, I guess the benefit, like you're saying, is if you completely redo his deal, you can get the savings now um, and keep Julio around, and, and and still have him on the roster, which means you have less of a need at wide receiver. Although. You, know, you still I, I certain, need like one or two wide receivers, in my opinion. Yeah, you still need help there either way. But I, I think it all comes down to because even you know, even if you do redo a deal with him, um, you know, you're gonna be banking on him into 2022 or 2023 and beyond then at that point, because you're gonna be adding some dead cap to those years if you redo a deal now. So I don't know. It it really depends, you know, medically, are they convinced that his hamstrings are shot and are just not ever going to be able to stay healthy for more than a few games at a time or do they think he's just had a couple fluke deals and he's we've got a treatment plant that we think will work and keep him healthy for the majority of a 17 game plus playoff season and that's I think the central question to all of it because really at the end of the day the money, you know, you can make work either way. It's do you think having him around is a good enough investment to commit dollars in future years to keeping him on the roster now? I guess that's that's the way the question is kind of framed to me. Do you think that if you had to bet $100 and you don't get to say, you know, you got to say yes or no. He's going to be on the team in 2022. What are you putting that $100 on? No maybes. You got to go yes or no. What do you think I, has the better odds? I think he's off the team. I, I think he's cut. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be, it's going to be a rough off season. I'm, I'm telling you a lot of hard choices to make and it's going it to be, is. you know, this, when you look at it, I mean, you got to make decisions on Ben Jones, which if you let him go, then are you spending your first round pick on Tyler Lindbaum? And then, who are you going to have at tight end? Who are you going to have wire, wide receivers? And then can you stretch his arms out? Any? Yeah, like it's it's just <laughs> oof, it's just a headache. I do not envy John Robinson this offseason. and I know that he got a lot of sympathy from fans who have been riding his ass because he showed emotion, and mm -hmm. rightfully so. And let me say this about that: he is invested in this team. This is his career, his job. And his job is to win a Super Bowl. Do not equate to what he's going through to your little Twitter outrages that you have for the last four or five months or however long it's been. It feels that long. This offseason feels like it's been stretched out five, five months. But the last two months is not the same. You saying it every day on Twitter is not the same as one guy saying it or the GM saying it one time in front of the cameras and getting emotional about it. You guys aren't the same. You get, fans got to start thinking, stop thinking that they're part of this team. Tannehill didn't owe you an explanation, and your little piss baby outrages that you do on Twitter, your rants every fucking hour about Ryan Tannehill. Every morning, I wake up in a one group chat, and what this one guy, his name is Cody. I'm gonna name names. He bitches about Ryan Tannehill. First thing, he wakes up like 6 a.m. He says something about Ryan Tannehill. Like, 
let it go. Like when people say let it go, it's it's healthy for you to let it go. Ryan Tannehill is your quarterback. You should have made peace about that a couple uh, like a month ago. Him not letting it go is a totally different stratosphere, a totally different universe, a different multiverse on the timeline than you. By the way, <laughs> it, it is um, so. The Tannehill just gnashing of the teeth and the whining and the crying. And, and I already saw, you know, I, I quote tweeted the, I guess it was Tom Pelissero who had the Landry news first. Um, I quote tweeted him and said, just no tag for Landry. That's all I said. And, and uh, the comments beneath it were, Oh, well, look, the Titans are going to be cheap again. I guess we're going to let AJ Brown and Jeffrey Simmons walk. And they too. probably were all applauding, by the way, you know, his reaction and saying, I trust in J-Rob. This is why I trust in J-Rob. Then he turn around and are shitting on his decision. Yeah, and, and Landry hasn't even signed with anyone else yet, by the way. They could still announce a deal tomorrow or, or you know, this weekend or whatever. So, you know, it's not even a guarantee that Landry's coming, not coming back, but it's already, it's, oh, I guess this season's already over. No Titans aren't even going to try to win. And it is exhausting. And it is to the point where I dip my head or I put my, my little Twitter head back up uh, today a little bit because of the tag deadline and some of the interesting NFL stuff that was going on. But I, I deleted Twitter off of my phone, uh, like in the hours after the Titans lost to the Bengals, because I was so angry. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want the notifications popping up. I didn't want to think about football. And I haven't reinstalled the Twitter app on my phone uh, since. And I've got to say, it is wonderful. Like, I don't think about this stuff all day long. It's not popping up in my brain for no reason because somebody's whining in my mentions about J-Rob or whatever. I have taken a Twitter break and it's been so wonderful. I do. I will get on every now and then and tweet and I'm still, you know, I still will post sometimes in the group chats and everything that I'm in, but it is, uh, it has been a lovely, lovely hiatus, um, especially with all the griping that's going on. Cause every time I poke my head up, I'm reminded of why I deleted the app to begin with. And it's just, I don't know if it's going to come back. I think it might be gone off my phone for good. I don't know. Oh man. Well, can I take over your account and get all your followers? If you, (laughs) if you officially never come back, I would like to take over your account and just, you know, change it to efforts pod two or something like that. Or maybe I'll just no, put my name on there. Zach, I don't Zach use miracles, Zach miracles. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, let's put that on there. Okay. Oh man. So I was going to ask you what is the biggest, you know, Twitter, you know, I guess uh bad Twitter take you've seen, but you haven't seen any. So, I mean, that's actually I a little seen bit better. Many. Yeah. yeah. I, I have not seen many. I and mean, most of the ones that I do see are, just generic whining about Tannehill. And I'm like, I'm just so over it. I mean, Tannehill is who he is. We can have debates until we're blue in the face, but that's not going to change anything that he's going to be the starting quarterback uh, in September when the season kicks off and everybody's just got to deal with it. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I I don't know what else to say at this point. Okay. So this just got posted in Facebook, Uh, Preston, the real Prez 10, he shared it. Is it, and this is from Tennessee Titans Elite. I don't know if this is the name of the group. I don't know how Facebook works. So I don't know if this is the name of the group or the name of the person. 
but is it wrong for me to want to spit in the face of John Robinson and the oh, Titans dude. owner for sitting on their fucking hands today and not trading for Russell Wilson before the Broncos? I can't contain my rage and disgust for this entire Titans management. Are we serious? That is the worst <laughs> take I've ever seen in my life. It, it is unbelievable. It, the contempt for the Titans management when all they've done is given you back-to-back division titles, what, six straight winning seasons, all this other stuff. Yes, everyone wants to win a Super Bowl. I get it. I want to win a Super Bowl. Every Titans fan wants to win a Super Bowl. But if you are harboring this kind of contempt for John Robinson and Amy Adams Strong and Mike Vrabel, what were you saying about uh, – Dipshit Tommy and Ken Wisenhunt. I know, would hate to and think Rustin if is, Webster. If, if this is what, what they're saying, there's a probably like bomb threats or something I, going I on with them. Like, like this is fucked up. Like if you get spit in John Robinson's face, I would assume you're just like I. I, I don't even know uh, what you're doing to Rustin Webster in those years. And yeah, like the bar's been raised, and in Titans fans' expectations are are higher. Certainly, deservedly so. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have high expectations for your team trying to go win a Super Bowl every year. But like we've talked about all episode, going to get Russell Wilson does not guarantee you a Super Bowl. And it may have taken away chances for Super Bowls down the line. Who knows? Um, But it is ridiculous how angry people get over this stuff when they they look look at the results. Look at the results over the past six years. This team has gotten better and better and better virtually every single year since John Robinson has been in charge. There's no reason to think that he can't continue to improve this team, and it may not look like how you want it to be improved, but I bet it's going to probably get better. You know, that's just the way it's been. And until it stops happening under John Robinson, then I'm going to continue to believe that he's doing a pretty damn good job. Well, he also is is every move he makes is with the idea in mind that this team is going to win a Super Bowl under his watch. Him and Vrabel are going to win a Super Bowl. That is their mindset. So they're not sitting on their hands. They're not making moves with all this, with something just being fine with regular season victories. They are making moves to try and get this team a Super Bowl, get the city a Super Bowl. I, I don't see any reason why you are not letting them do that and just having faith. I know it's hard to have faith in something when you don't understand it. So that's why us at broadwaysportsmedia.com try to help you understand when things maybe don't go your way or help you try to understand the why. We try to do that on this podcast. So just listen to it. I mean, just try to keep an open mind when you see these moves being made or you don't see them making moves in free agency that there is a reason for it. How often do that does do those day one, day two free agents actually make an impact? Because you don't let your good players really hit free agency. Very rarely do they make an impact when you see the amount of players that actually sign. Like when you look at the ratio, it's very, very rare. Because think of it. Remember when Kenny Galladay signed for all that money and everybody's like, well, what the fuck are the Titans doing? Why aren't they interested? And they didn't even, they weren't even, they didn't even inquire about Kenny Galladay. And look how that turned out. 
Like, just remember that sometimes a lack of movement is the best movement for in free agency. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is. It never ceases to amaze me, the terrible takes that people are so convinced that they're right about. Okay, so the combine happened. Of course, overreaction to the combines happened. That was on 440 Sports this week, and I said, you know, I think what the combine is good for, for me, my takeaways is it lets me know who to really zone in on or who's really worth my time to study more and more as, as it goes on as we approach draft season. Because I, I don't watch, I don't live, breathe, eat college football and all the games and all that kind of stuff. So this kind of lets me know. But the, the overreaction is, is that somehow, uh, is it Trayvon Walker, is, am I saying that name right, is somehow yeah. going to jump to number one, and, or he's going to be better than Aiden Hutchinson and this and that and all this kind of stuff. But then you got the people that break the, the records, you know, and then the people are like, well, that guy's going to shoot up the draft boards. No. These GMs pretty much are looking for confirmation bias for the most part when they go in to these combine meetings and, and these measurements and pro days. They, they have their board set. Their board's been set for months. You may see a couple of guys gain a little movement up in the board. If, let's use Trayvon Walker again. If Jermaine Johnson and Trayvon Walker are really close to someone's board, I'm sure Trayvon Walker is now a little bit higher than Jermaine Johnson was. Like I don't think Jermaine Johnson moved while Trayvon Walker may move one or two spots. That being said, I went into the combine thinking that wide receiver in round one is a must for the Tennessee Titans. So to me, what's changed for me is that the draft strategy that I view as a smart way of making the team better is foregoing, unless it's one of the top four wide receivers or top five, Depend. I'm not big on Drake London as much as some people, but you know I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad about it. That you forget, you don't, you don't force a wide receiver at pick 26. Did the combine change your mind in any certain way? Not necessarily about wide receivers or anything, but did your combine, did the combine change your mind on strategy in any kind of way? Or what were your takeaways? I, I guess, um, you know, it didn't change my mind necessarily on strategy. I, I you know. I would still lean wide receiver at, at 26, assuming, you know, and I've, I'm kind of zeroed in as far as wide receivers, the top group anyways on Alave and Burks. I, I think those are the two best players. I know Burks didn't test particularly well, but I mean, the guy, his tape it tells you. DK didn't test that. well either. Like yeah, who cares? Yeah. He's, he's fine. So, um, but I do think, like you said, there were some guys that, that popped up to me. And, and I think, to me, the combine, more than anything, it, it's not about the guys at the very top of the board, the first-round guys. Because right. those guys, their tape should speak first, and then their combine should back it up. And it, for the most part, that happened with the, the top-rated guys, right? So, to me, it's more about the middle-tier guys, like the middle-round guys where – it's either there's some holes in the tape or holes in the numbers or holes in the, uh, you know, the co level of competition, whatever it may be that, you know, keeps those guys from being like a round one, but then the testing's off the charts and, and you feel like, okay, maybe this is a guy that I want to bet on being better at the next level than he was in college, because this guy's a freak athlete. If, if he's a, 
you know, able to pick up stuff in the, in the meeting room. If our interviews go well, that's a guy that maybe I push up the board. And I think about guys like, you know, George Kittle is, is an obvious example in that didn't have stats, didn't have production. His tape was good. I mean, his tape was good. He just didn't have a lot of production at Iowa. And then he tested off the charts at the combine. And that is, and there are certain positions where this, I feel like applies more than others. And I think tight end and edge rusher are two of them where you bet on traits um, in a big way. And like you said, I don't think anyone should be jumping Travon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson or even Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, those guys are better football players. And I don't care if Travon Walker's a little bit better athlete. I'm betting on the better football player. But um, I do think Walker is a guy that you would bet on and, and probably won't make it out of the top 10 at this point in the draft. But um, I think it's interesting. And there's some guys wide receiver wise that opened my eyes, like the guy, yeah. uh, Alec. Alec Pierce from Simpsons, well, I was gonna say Alec Pierce, uh, Christian Watson, yep, Watson and um, Kevin Austin. I, I thought yes. was an intriguing. Were three intriguing big body guys that were just super athletic at everything they did. I mean, you, of course, you had Calvin Austin, but you kind of expected Calvin Austin to be a combine darling kind of guy. But I just thought those guys jumped off the page, and I'm thinking, looking at Alec Pierce specifically. If he's there in the third round, is it better to go edge or OT or even offensive guard if Zion Johnson somehow drops in your lap at 26 and take Alec Pierce in the third or more so than taking Traylon Burks, um, Traylon Burks, Chris Olav, is Olavi or Olav? Olave. Olave. I knew I was saying yeah. it wrong. My brain, it's its later in the day. My brain is now shutting down. Now that's 4.15 p.m. Um, and Jameson Williams, because I still like Williams, or better to wait and take and then get someone in the third round. Or is it, like, to me, I think the better draft strategy is to go best player available in the first, which is typically always, when you're in the late 20s, typically always your best bet. And getting, you know, in the third round, an Alec Pierce or whatever, if that happens not to be wide receiver. And I think that Titans fans are going to get so wrapped up, depending on how free agency shakes out, of course, get so wrapped up in seeing, not seeing wide receivers in the mock drafts that I think they're going to work themselves like they tend to want to do into a frenzy when on draft night, it's not a wide receiver. Cause I think there's a very good chance that it's not a wide receiver. I think it's a very good chance. It's an edge or an offensive lineman, and people are going to lose their fucking shit. I, I, think that's, I think that's a very good possibility. <laughs> yeah, I could see it being, especially if they let Landry walk, I could see it being an edge. Like, you know, you think about guys that could be there at the end of the round, like in a Jabo or Barno from v Virginia Tech, who had a great combine, or uh, even uh, Mafe from Minnesota. Like, there are guys that are kind of at the bottom uh, of that first round who could be really – high impact edge guys. And then I also think, you know, Hey, what if, if, if they let Saffold go to clear cap space, which I think most people tend to think they are going to do. Um, and you could get a Zion Johnson, who's you know, widely considered the best guard in the draft, uh, you know, at 26, I might be all over that. And a Christian Watkins in the third or Alec Pierce in the third, um, rather than, you know, a, 
you know, whoever, whoever it is out of that top group of receivers and then a third round uh, guard or tackle. If, yeah. if you need the guard to be a starter day one, right. Cause right. I mean, it, it kind of depends on where your holes end up being. Cause there's going to be a hole heading into this draft. The, the Titans just don't have the cap space to go into the draft without a hole. I don't think so. Um, it'll be very interesting, but yeah, there were some guys who kind of popped at the combine that, you know, I, I do think at some spots you got to just bet on traits and, and see what happens. And it also seems that the Titans tend to have a glaring hole heading into the draft, right? I mean, it kind of just feels like, okay, yeah, they may have a guy that plays that spot that they're going to be drafting in, but he's not the long-term solution. And that, that ended up being the case with Caleb Farley because it really felt like everybody zeroed in as Caleb Farley as you got closer to the draft. And I think you'll see that again this year. Do you think, and this is something that I've been battling a little bit on Twitter, do you think that the Titans need a pure slot receiver? Because I am of the point where I almost think that if you, let's say you just kept Julio Jones and you have A.J. Brown, that if you get a guy like Burks or if you get a guy like Alec Pierce or, or Watkins, like we talked about, that you could just move all three of them all the way around and create mismatches constantly. Like I and And... I know that you want the deep speed, but those other guys do provide you with deep speed. And so does AJ Brown. Yeah. I, I kind of tend to be like you. I want the best player period, because I feel like you can make the, the guys fit where they need to go. And frankly, if you go back to, you know, AJ Brown coming out of the draft, a lot of people thought he was going to be a slot only guy in the NFL because, you know, that's what he played at Ole Miss and, and everything like that majority he had that stretch at the end where he was mostly outside after dk got hurt but um you can certainly play aj brown in the slot in your your sub packages and and be just fine in fact that's a huge mismatch for a lot of slot corners who you know maybe aren't quite as big um and and have to deal with a big body guy like like aj inside so um, I think you could get really creative with a combination of, you know, and, and I mean, frankly, if you want to talk about a, a wide receiver group that just looks unbelievable off the bus, it, talk about Traylon Burks, uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones is your top three receivers. I mean, that is a absolute monster, uh, group. And, and that's why I, I kind of, you know, I do believe that sounds like creating, you're falling in love with Traylon Burks here. I, I just want to just want to throw that out there. I, I think you're in love with him. I like him a lot. I like, and honestly, when I watched him most of the time this year, I always figured the Titans would never have a shot at him because I figured he'd be a top 10, 15 pick. Um, but now it just seems like these other receivers are kind of, you know, bubbling up over him. And a lot of people are nitpicking his game. You know, he is, somewhat limited in the fact that he is kind of a, a vertical guy or, you know, catch and run after the catch kind of guy. Um, but, you know, if you're going to be good at two things, those aren't bad things to be good at. Um, but I don't know it, that that is kind of a, a spicy <laughs> wide receiver group to think about. Uh, but again, I, you know, I still have a lave who is a very opposite type of receiver as my top pick. I just think he's going to be gone at this point before yeah. the Titans get on the board. Okay. We got two topics I want to hit on just real quick. Calvin Ridley suspended for gambling on the sport of football, which everybody should know that you don't do by using his own name, his own username in Florida 
with a partner of the NFL that was able to track and do all that. He owned up to it and everything, but he is suspended for the year. What what are your thoughts on on this? Because I want to say this. Players share in the profits of the NFL. They get a 50% of the revenue from these gambling websites. So it's not just that the owners are benefited from it. The players benefit from it too in revenue sharing. The second thing is, is that you should not bet on football if you're a football player. And they can bet on other sports. They can legally bet on other sports. They just cannot bet on football. He is suspended, but I also feel that that suspension is a little too harsh. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? I completely agree with you. And and it's more so, I think it's the punishment being that harsh is to, it really is a warning shot to the other players, I think, that, hey, we're going to make a very bright line uh, example here of a borderline star player um getting suspended for a full year over this because we do not want this to become an issue because it is an integrity of the game thing and i know that sounds goofy but there is it's a slippery slippery slope between calvin ridley sitting on his couch while he is away from the team betting on random nfl games and a player betting on his own game uh and you know maybe doing something to either make a bet pay or not pay or whatever um and, and then you get into the, all that stuff so i think the nfl wants they kind of want their cake and eat it too here they want us they want to cozy up and get those sweet sweet gambling dollars but they don't want the integrity questions and the the kind of hey are we on the up and up here of gambling in their sport so they're kind of trying to walk a fine line but i think everybody knows like this is a stupid stupid tax right like calvin ridley is being hit with a stupid tax you know better than to bet on your own sport in your own league i'm sure he had to sign documents that said he would not do that why Uh, don't you get one of your buddies to do it like that's probably what half the league does is they do gamble but they get their other i'm sure the owners have someone that they know that they say one of their buddies say, Hey, place this bet for me. And yeah. if you get, if we win, you'll get a little bit of money too. Like at some point it, it, you're right. It's just a stupid tax. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really feel bad for Ridley. I mean, no. don't be an idiot. I yeah. mean, that's what it comes down to. Okay. Would you root for a team? If your owner, if the Titans let's say the Titans went up for sale and Antonio Brown and Kanye West <sighs> bought the team. Would that make you root even more for the Titans or would you jump ship? Cause to me, I'm thinking <sighs> that's going to be a wild ass time in that stadium with those two guys at the helm. I mean, I don't like those two guys personally. Like I, I'm just not a fan of either one, but would I stop rooting for my hometown team because they bought the team? Probably not, honestly, because, I mean, I, I I don't root for the Titans because I'm a big Amy Adam Strunk fan. Now, I am an Amy Adam Strunk fan after getting to see her work over the last six years, but uh, I, that's not the reason I became a Titans fan. It wasn't – that was a big Bud Adams guy. Um, I root for them because they're the local team. So, it's – I'd still root for the team. I would probably <laughs> watch, like – through like you know covering your hands your your face with your hands like watch through my fingers sometimes at some of the stuff that they would do 
but uh, I'd still root for him. Sure. Why not? And it would be wild to see what kind of shit that that group would get into. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Okay. Um, I think that's it. I think we covered everything we want to talk about and I uh, appreciate you coming on. This has been football and other efforts. I would say follow Mike on Twitter at Mike miracles, but he's gone from Twitter. He's, he's done with you guys. He, you guys ran him out. He <laughs> does not want to any part of you. He actually hates. Oh, how many followers did you have? Like 8k, 10k, uh, 19,000, I think. Oh, well, he hates all 19,000 of you. <laughs> he just utterly detests you. He doesn't want you guys around. He actually, in actuality, you all unfollow him, follow me if you're listening to this. <laughs> unfollow Mike, follow me. Give me 19 followers. Um, my name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. Uh, Lebowski will be back next week. So I'm sure you guys missed him and his uh, his uh, you know his lovely voice that everybody always it's comments way, on. Way way better than mine. Yeah, it's way better than mine too. I've been as I've been told. Uh, you can <laughs> you can you got broadwaysportsmedia.com we're putting out articles almost every day it's getting to the part of the off season where you're going to want to come to us because we will break down the contracts for you we will show you the cap hits we'll keep it all updated the other thing is that you will need to go check out 440 sports and all their podcasts they are crushing it every day they got a new podcast they got the gold standard for hockey they have a club and country for soccer go follow those guys 440 sports daily i'm on there almost every week now so keep your tabs and your notifications on for that. For Mike Miracles, I'm Zach Lyons. You have just been F. A Broadway Sports Media Production.